Hello and welcome to episode 743 of Wait, What? That number makes me the most prolific podcaster of all time. No one else has ever had a podcast that was number 743. The other 739 are in a vault and I will re-release them when I remember the combination. So thanks again for tuning in. Today's podcast is about classic literature, Donald Trump, and psychopaths. And you're going to be able to use the literature part next time you're in the clubhouse. So don't tune out. The guys might think you even read this shit. Most of us had to wade through the great works of literature in high school. Frankly, in my case, it was a total waste of time. For me, all of Shakespeare was reduced to one childish guffaw when somebody pointed out that Iago's reference to the beast with two backs in Othello was exactly what I was thinking about in English lit when I should have been paying attention to Mr. Hardwick. Let's face it. High school for a guy was completely dominated by the search for the beast. Have back, will travel. I never had any idea what Shakespeare was blathering about, and I wondered why he couldn't have simply written his plays in English. When Iago said, I am one, sir, that comes to tell you your daughter and the moor are now making the beast with two backs. I thought they were trying to saddle a camel. Which brings me to Dante. Which brings me to Donald Trump. And a discussion of psychopaths. Stay with me here. I can't help wondering where in the inferno would Dante have put Donald Trump? Dante wrote the Divine Comedy, which would have been rejected by every major network as not at all funny and incapable of competing with Bob's Burgers and The Simpsons. The first part is called The Inferno. And when I read The Inferno in high school, I was fascinated by all the rings of hell. Dante ranked the kinds of bad behavior that would get you a one-way ticket and a room without a view. And he detailed what would be waiting for you depending upon your offense. The higher the number from one to nine, the lower you would be in hell and the more severe your punishment. Dante took us on a literary elevator ride through the Hell Department Store on an elevator that only went down. The first level, you may recall, was limbo. And the people who would take up permanent residency there were virtuous pagans and the unbaptized children who had no earthly idea who in the hell Jesus would be and never had the chance to learn about and or reject him. Before Jesus was born, population experts tell us that there were slightly over a billion people who had lived and died. And according to Dante and a lot of Christian theology, all of them had to go to limbo, where, as near as I can figure out, they just sit around forever. I'm not sure what the residents do to pass time in limbo, but I'm pretty sure that the dance of the same name is not allowed and neither would there be any cell phone reception or social media. Maybe you get to play bridge. That would be hell. It's essentially like a Medicaid-funded nursing home where you stay for all eternity, and your only hope of getting out will be if God changes his mind. 
Don't count on it, but don't despair. It happens occasionally. Remember the dinosaurs? Anyway, such notable figures as Socrates, Aristotle, and Plato live in limbo forever. Let's face it. Limbo was one of God's ideas that wasn't well thought out. What did those guys do wrong? You're leading a perfectly virtuous life. You die and go to limbo because God didn't get around to sending Jesus to earth yet? That's your fault? Imagine your surprise. You look around at all the bored people playing bridge and say, Wait, what? What'd I do? Voice of God. You were born before Jesus. That's my offense? Well, whose goddamn fault is that? Sheesh. Upon learning which you get sent to, shortly after you utter that smart-ass remark, you get sent to level six, which you will see in a few minutes, makes eternity at a bridge table look like heaven. In level two, reserved for those who have lust in their hearts, you'll find all the regular customers of YouPorn. These horny bastards are blown, wait, it isn't what you think, blown back and forth by the hurricane-type winds forever. Not exactly the internet-inspired blowjob they watched and wished for. The punishment in this part of hell fits the crime if you have a sense of humor and a sense of irony. When I was in high school struggling with Dante, I wasn't too scared of this place. If the price of a blowjob on earth was some bad hair days in hell, I might have considered it a fair deal. But when the elevator stops at level three, things get dicey. This is the gluttony level, aka the Baconator stop. All of the regular patrons of the Golden Corral and the House of Wu-Tang Buffet, are sentenced to lie in a vile slush produced by ceaseless, foul, stinky, cold rain. Think about being exiled to Cleveland in January and you'll get the idea. Dante would certainly have considered putting Trump here and making him go cold turkey on the quarter pounders before moving him to one of the more appropriate levels. Level 4 greed, and level five, anger, and level six, heresy, got you all kinds of increasingly terrible punishments. And once again, the greedy son of a bitch who is always angry at somebody and who quoted two Corinthians to a pack of assembled zombies at Liberty University would have spent time in each of them. I'd give him a pass on level seven. That's the violence level. I've never seen evidence that he's violent, although he did encourage his moron brigade to beat people up at one of his rallies, so maybe some time here is appropriate. Donald is never going to throw a punch himself because he's a confirmed coward, and he's terrified of getting his hair messed up. Things in level seven get downright hellacious. This is where you get shot by arrows repeatedly, and blasphemers, who are here for some reason that I don't understand, I think it has to do with doing violence to the idea of religion. Anyway, those guys are burned in a desert of flaming sand with fiery flakes raining from the sky. 
if they ran tours of the inferno, the blasphemy corner of this level would be the evangelicals favorite viewing area. Fundamentalist tourists on the glass enclosed guest hell elevator would linger when the doors opened and do the white man's overbite dance in celebration of the misfortune of Bill Maher, Richard Dawkins, and all those who made fun of their insistence that people had pet dinosaurs in the olden days. Watching from a safe distance puts the fun back in fundamentalist. All of this brings me to the dreaded levels eight and nine. These levels are reserved for the vilest, the most evil, most disgusting of all humans. Level eight, you see, is reserved for the perpetrators of fraud. Interesting, don't you think? Dante ranked fraud as more egregious than all forms of violence. This is the place where prosperity preachers like Paula White and Kenneth Copeland and Joel Osteen will be spending time with the pedophile priests. The pedophile priests wind up much worse off than the lust guys in level two or the violent guys in level six, I suppose because they claim to be doing God's work on earth and use this cover to prey on the innocent, the weak, and the most trusting by lying to them and taking advantage of their defenselessness. Men who rape children disguised as agents of God and fraudsters who steal from the elderly, who are eating dog food because they're sending their only income to prosperity preachers, who live in mansions and travel in G5s are, Dante would have thought, engaging in the most deliberate, calculated, and malicious kind of evil. There's a certain compelling logic here, I've got to admit. Give me a good old-fashioned armed robber over one of these guys anytime. An armed robber has a certain in-your-face honesty when he goes about his business. He makes no pretense that he's anything else. Give me your money, motherfucker, or I will shoot you. It has a certain refreshing candor in the crime world ethos system, and that's undeniable. Give me your money and I will get you to a place in heaven where you get a seat at the Captain Jesus dinner table. Well, that one seems much more reprehensible because it creates a cruel false expectation. You know exactly what the score is when a guy points a gun in your face. If I was a sentencing judge, the prosperity preacher would get twice the time in the slammer as the routine arm robber. The liar who takes money from little old ladies claiming to be God's emissary is a lower life form. I really think Dante was onto something here. People who make a living preying on the innocent and vulnerable are the ones who invariably high-five each other after a score. They're known as psychopaths, and those who study them estimate that around 5 to 10% of the population of this planet have no conscience. That's what a psychopath is, a person who doesn't give a damn about other people or what happens to them and isn't bothered in the least by what he does to them. Psychopaths see other humans as prey animals. They see their fellow inhabitants in identical ways to the hyena or the jackal. In order to get what they want, psychopaths develop the skill of lying. 
They lie with about the same effort that normal people breathe. It's second nature to these guys because they have not the slightest empathy for other people. This is what allows them to be callous in their dealings with the elderly and children and allows them to inflict pain in order to get what they want. When they show kindness, and they occasionally do, it's for no other reason than to get something. And it can be as simple a goal as getting people to like them. In fact, psychopaths want people to like them and even proclaim what nice people they are to gain an advantage, sex, a promotion, a competitive contract, or win an election. Every nice thing the psychopath does has an ulterior motive. And the motive is always to get something that the prey animals have. If it's true that 5 to 10% of the population are psychopaths, I'm guessing that 50% of the politicians fit that bill, which would explain why they're held in such contempt by the voters. The psychopath politician collects votes by pretending to care. But what many of them really care about is getting elected, getting power, getting rich, getting laid, and getting famous. Accomplished fraudsters are almost always psychopaths. They obey rules only in situations where the calculus tells them that they face a likelihood of getting caught. They're the guys who gleefully scam the elderly and the vulnerable. Culling the weak, psychopaths will tell you after a hit of cocaine is the way of the world. The only time fraudsters ever bring themselves to admit they did anything wrong is when they get caught and are about to be sentenced. Those admissions of wrongdoing are totally disingenuous and, of course, fraudulent. The fraudster psychopath knows exactly how to play people. He's a terrific judge of human nature in the same way that a jackal is a judge of rabbit nature. A sentencing judge wants to hear sincere contrition for wrongdoing, so that's exactly what the fraudster psychopath pretends to give him. He'll cry and sob and talk about how he was abused as a child. It is, of course, almost always complete bullshit because the only thing the fraudster psychopath is sorry for is that he got caught. The term crocodile tears comes to mind. Those are the tears you see flow from a psychopath's eyes just before the judge hands down the sentence. They dry up almost immediately after he's taken out of the courtroom in handcuffs when he begins to calculate how he will prey on weaker inmates. If you're wondering what psychopaths believe in, the answer appears to be that they believe in self-gratification. That's it. Get as much as you can of whatever you want and do whatever you have to do to get it. Figuring out what really makes people tick is a tricky business. You can't know for sure unless they tell you, and even if they do, you can't be sure that they're telling you the truth. Which brings me back to Donald Trump. I don't think Trump believes most of the crap he makes up about Muslims and hordes of Mexican rapists or birth certificates. As I've argued elsewhere, he doesn't believe in anything. And his favorite phrase is, let me be honest with you. After which he proceeds to immediately make up a fact or a set of facts, which he calculates his audience wants to believe. 
he sees his fans as prey animals who he counts on to line up to feed his need for glory and power. Trump knows his prey well, and he knows how to make them believe that he gives a shit about them. He doesn't. All of which brings me back to level nine, the great dreaded ninth circle of hell. This is reserved for those guys that are guilty of treachery. You see, treachery involves a betrayal of those who trust you. Those who look to you as somebody they can trust. Dante tells us that Cain lives here. So does Antenor of Troy, who betrayed his city and his countrymen to the Greeks. And this is where Satan, who betrayed God, is said to reside. Trump's devoted followers love him. There's nothing you can do to change their minds. And Trump loves his followers the same way he loves a quarter pounder with cheese. They're nothing more than sustenance for his massive ego. Donald Trump is fraud and treachery. I'm not really sure which level Dante would put Trump in. Maybe he should have to go back and forth between eight and nine. It's an interesting thought experiment, don't you think? So when you stop and think about it, Levels 8 and 9 were really reserved for psychopaths. Only the term didn't exist in Dante's time. But there's a test today. The psychopath test is a real test accepted by real psychiatrists and mental health experts. Before we reserve space for Donald Trump and his cohorts in Level 9, I think we need to see if he is really as bad as he acts. Try and stay with me here as I go through the complex psychiatric terminology necessary to grasp the psychopathic personality. Psychopaths are basically selfish, lying shitheads who don't give a fat rat's ass about anything except their own self-gratification. They're the con men who steal from the elderly and fist bump their fellow psychopaths when they score. It never occurs to them to apologize for anything they do unless apologizing gets them something they want or is necessary to avoid a stiff prison sentence. In psychiatric terms, that's technically because they don't give a shit. They can do no wrong because wrong is not a concept their brains can compute. They simply don't get the idea of wrongness. They aren't hardwired to appreciate the concept of bad either, which is why the worst of them can be serial killers. That doesn't mean I believe Donald Trump may be capable of being a serial killer. Not at all. What I fear about him is much worse than a guy who kills a dozen or so innocent people. What I fear is that this megalomaniac wouldn't hesitate to launch a war, nuclear or otherwise, and kill millions of people if he thought it would get him more glory and attention. That's his moral calculus for everything. How will a war affect my ratings? But all this is just the musing of a guy who thinks Donald Trump is the biggest asshole on the planet. And this is a big planet with lots and lots of assholes. 
Anyway, I wanted to see if my instincts regarding Trump's actual psychological makeup were on the money. Because anyone can declare somebody despicable, narcissistic, an egomaniac, or an asshole. Where does that get us? So I came across a well-accepted personality test that mental health professionals use to identify psychopaths. Let's see how Donald scores, shall we? This is straight out of the Encyclopedia of Mental Disorders. I'll leave it completely up to you to determine how Donald scores on each of these. And I won't try and influence you in any way except to tell you that he scores off the goddamn charts. I would suggest you keep score and give him between a 1 and a 10. As a frame of reference here, Pope Francis would be a 1.0. Hitler would score about 8.0. Satan's second-in-command, Beelzebub, would score 9.0. And Satan himself scores a perfect 10. When Trump gets to 14, and he will you're going to realize you're dealing with a very special guy. So here we go. You might be a psychopath. If you evidence the following. One, glib and superficial charm. You decide. But have you ever seen or listened to a con artist with more glib and totally superficial charm than Donald Trump? His favorite way to start a conversation being, let me be honest with you. Yes, Donald, you douche nozzle. That would be refreshing. I gave him a score of, are you shitting me? Number two, grandiose, which means exaggeratedly high, estimation of self. Here are some of Trump's more humble proclamations. I'm rich. I'm really, really rich. I'm smart. I'm really very smart. I went to Wharton. I have big hands. I can hit a golf ball 280 yards. I have a big schlong. Everything I have ever built is the biggest, the greatest, and the most expensive. I have bagged more women than Will Chamberlain. I have the world's greatest memory. Donald says he knows more about the following subjects than anybody. Campaign finance, TV ratings, ISIS, social media, courts, lawsuits, politicians, the visa system, trade, the U.S. government, renewable energy, taxes, debt, money, infrastructure, borders, technology, drones, Senator Cory Booker. He said he knew about more about Cory Booker than Cory Booker. The economy, war, nuclear war. I could go on, but space and time do not permit, and frankly, I'm exhausted. Plus, it's unnecessary. The God of the Old Testament could not score higher on the estimation of self-scale. Score this guy a bazillion then multiply it by the biggest number you can come up with. Three, need for stimulation. Trump self-stimulates by tweeting and giving interviews. There is almost nothing he covets more than attention from the press. And every time he gives an unintelligible and stupid answer, 
you can almost hear him think to himself, nailed it. The guy tweets as often and as uncontrollably as a 14-year-old wishes that he could masturbate, which is to say, every chance he gets. He's the king of self-stimulation. If he isn't before TV cameras every hour, he hyperventilates. Four, pathological lying. He sets the standard. Trump cannot complete a sentence without lying his ass off. He lies at approximately the same rate as he breathes. He makes stuff up on the fly and then calls anyone who challenges him a liar and switches the subject. Pathological simply isn't a strong enough word. Mythomaniac has a nice ring to it. Look it up. And will also come in handy if you like to do crossword puzzles or play Scrabble in nursing homes with old ladies who hold up signs proclaiming Trump speaks the truth. Whatever rating you gave Trump for grandiose and estimation of self, a bazillion multiplied by the biggest number you could think of, double it here. Trump likes lying so much that he has stated that his father, who was born in New York City, was born in Germany. He said this five times, which causes me first to say, Donald, who gives a shit? And second, is there anything you don't feel compelled to lie about? What do you have for lunch, Donnie? Tuna on rye. Wait a minute. You have half of a Big Mac coming out of your jowls. What the fuck? Say, is your hair color natural? Yes, it is. I got blonder as I got older. Want to see my pubes? Uh, no. Number five, cunning and manipulativeness. There are jackal parents who have their pups watch reruns of Trump working the crowd at his rallies and celebrity apprentice before they put them to bed. Number six, lack of remorse or guilt. Let's talk about the last time you remember Trump saying he was sorry. Misogynistic and stupid insults to women, making fun of and mocking disabled people, inventing a story about thousands of Muslims cheering on the Jersey Shore when the World Trade Center came down, calling Mexicans rapists. The guy not only refuses to show the slightest bit of remorse or guilt for anything he does, but he doubles down on every tasteless, juvenile, stupid insult he's ever uttered. Trump has no earthly idea how to feel remorse. The closest he has ever come to an apology was his assertion to Anderson Cooper that Cruz started it after essentially stooping to imply that Cruz's wife was ugly. Number seven, shallow affect, superficial emotional responsiveness. If Trump ever showed even superficial responsiveness, it would be a huge step up on the emotional responsiveness scale. At a COVID-19 press conference the other day, he managed to work in, apropos of absolutely nothing, that he was number one on Facebook. Give him an 11 on this one. Number eight, 
callousness and lack of empathy. Do I even have to go there? This is a guy who threw widows and orphans out on the street to make room for a casino that preyed on the same uneducated dimwits who are now supporting him. When he said, I love the undereducated, what he was saying was, they buy into every stupid thing I say. This is the guy who used the terrorist attack in Paris to say, people are calling to congratulate me on being right. I hope the people of Arizona and Utah will remember when they vote tomorrow. He didn't utter a single word about the victims. Not a token my heart goes out to. And after the mass killings in El Paso, he had empathy for the victims and their families so much on his mind that he told the press that doctors and nurses came running out of the operating rooms to see him. My God. Number nine, parasitic lifestyle. Let's face it, folks. If you were going to start a magazine called The Parasitic Lifestyle, it'd be worth every penny to get Trump to lend you his likeness on a masthead. Number 10, poor behavioral controls. According to his playmate model girlfriend, the jerk brought her back to his apartment while his wife was out and showed her Melania's bedroom. Jesus Christ, he bangs porn stars without using protection and then goes home to his wife. Discretion and concern for his wife is a strange hand job on an elevator after a Purell treatment. 11. Early behavioral problems. I really have no idea. Yes, I do. We should look into this. His sons gave us a clue. They share a hairstylist who designed the look Michael Douglas adopted to play slime bag Gordon Gecko. They also apparently love to kill rare animals and hold the dismembered body parts up for photo opportunities after their trips to Africa. Killing animals is a universal early warning sign that your kid is a psychopath. I think it may be fair and sensible to conclude that not far from the psychopath tree falls the little psychopaths. Number 12, sexual promiscuity. I've touched on this. Trump brags about his sexual prowess every time he gets a chance. If I was a betting man, I'd put big money on the probability that the guy is a premature ejaculator. It would explain so much. Number 13, lack of realistic long-term goals. Let's face it, folks, the guy wants to be proclaimed emperor of the galaxy and God. It isn't realistic. Number 14, failure to accept responsibility for his own actions. This is a man who would tell his wife he deserved to be able to bang Stormy Daniels because he's a great man and great men have needs. So is Donald Trump a psychopath? Seriously. If Fox News had a new show titled Battle of the Narcissistic Psychopaths, I maintain that they couldn't get anybody to go up against them. Trump is to psychopathy 
what Kim Jong-un is to bad haircuts. Dante, you got room in level nine? See you next time, folks.